let's look at the early years of Jesus. This is, this is Luke chapter 2, verse 39. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. So you notice this is Luke's gospel, and he doesn't include everything that Matthew's gospel entails. Matthew's gospel, like we saw on the dark side of the Christmas story, this sermon that we had a couple of weekends ago, it, it tells about the slaughter of the innocents, Herod flying off into a murderous rage. He also, Luke's gospel also doesn't include anything about the Magi, the wise men. He just jumps straight to, like, from the circumcision of Jesus to his preteen years. And then that brings us to verse 41, uh, this passage that is a great comfort to every parent who's ever left their child at church. We did it once, <laughs> maybe twice. And uh, every year, his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming it was, he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked them. These are the first red letters of the Gospel of Luke. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. So Luke, working through uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, consulting largely with Peter to, to write his Gospel, has included the preteen years of Jesus in his text. To go to the Passover festival, which, by the way, would mark eventually the time of the crucifixion, uh, some 21 years into the future at this point. It was a huge deal. Everybody flocked to Jerusalem. I mean, Jews from all over the place all collided in the city of God, and they would carry out the, the, the Passover as prescribed all the way back to the book of Exodus. And it was easy to lose track. Okay, like uh, we noticed this about our kids. Uh, when we lived in Orlando, and we were a part of a large church, and we were starting to crank out babies at, at an alarming rate. Uh, these, the, the people of the church all knew who our kids were. And so when little baby Austin, little baby Asher, uh, even baby Aiden, you know, and then eventually little baby Asa, Autumn Grace wasn't born until we moved to Nashville, uh, but she had the same kind of thing going on. They would just, everywhere they went, people loved them. And uh, when, when church would get out, you know, and inevitably I would be over in the student ministry building, sticking around behind, hanging out with leaders, cleaning up the building or whatever, and, or praying with people. And then Jessie, she was serving as well. And she was in some capacity kind of caught up, which meant that our kids were sometimes the last ones to get picked up. I'm very sorry, Joyce Wilbur <laughs> and the people who worked in the preschool ministry at, at First Baptist Windermere, now Family Church. But it was okay. They were in good hands. Uh, you know, inevitably some church member would bring them to us because they knew that we were doing we were doing work, you know, and we just knew that about them. Now the downside was we would then after church go to Disney World 
and I go to Main Street USA in the Magic Kingdom, and then there goes Asher just right into the thick of the crowd because he was he just lived in the church world where like, yeah, there's 2,000 people here and every one of them love me. They all prayed for me. <laughs> and so I'm just gonna run up to total strangers. So uh, don't judge those parents who have the monkey leashes. Sometimes they're church kids. <laughs> Dad's a pastor and the kid doesn't know. You don't run up to total strangers. Uh, this was this was sort of the story that's going on with this massive community of people where like, I don't know where my kid is, but he's somewhere out there. This is before the era of helicopter parenting and tiger moms where you just hover over your kid and watches every move. All right. Believe it or not, there was once a day when like kids could go unsupervised, and that was the case here culturally at the Passover. So, man, that don't ever feel bad if you have forgotten your kid. One time, we left Asa at the church, and we drove. We uh, we left him at the house on the way to church. We each thought that he was in the other's car until it dawned on one of us. We go back, and there he's sitting on the front steps with his little pouty eyes. We've also left our kids at church before, and it dawns on us. We look back, and one of the car seats is empty. So look, I'm right there with you. And guess what? Mary and Joseph once forgot God at Passover. <laughs> so there's grace for all of us. Look as well at this maturation that takes place. Uh, the Hebrew traditions of bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah, they wouldn't, they're, they're not prescribed in the Talmud, they're not prescribed in the Torah per se, but they do, they do become Hebrew traditions, and there's a reason for that. This is right at the cusp of manhood. Uh, we, we tend to extend adolescence way beyond it was what, was, what it was intended. Uh, within Hebrew culture, by the time you turned like 13, you were a man, you were a woman, okay? It's expected that you're gonna, you're gonna own property, you're gonna start a business, you're gonna get to work. Like, look at how much we coddle our 13-year-olds, and, and even now, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm 36, I'll bet I could probably get back on my parents' insurance if I wanted to. Like, we, we have no concept of, like, adulthood, and we've extended this whole phase of life where you are sexually mature, but basically a child. And for that reason, uh, God's design for saving sex until marriage, for example, or you know, uh, being expected to act like a man, act like a woman at a, at a way younger age than culturally we accept, these things seem foreign to the world, but they were normative in Christ's day. At 12 years old, he's asking questions. He's in his father's house. Children, young people, students, they're capable of more than we often give them credit for. If you set the bar high for your 12-year-old, he'll rise to it. She'll rise to it. And if you set the bar low, he'll rise to that too. Would you look to the parenting Mary and Joseph as they raised God? All right, see the grace that exists for you if you forget your kid at church one day. All right, and would you also look to what God was doing in 12-year-old Jesus, and consider that you may raise the bar in how you catechize and disciple your own child.